Welcome to an HBO podcast from the HBO Late Night series, Real Time with Bill Maher. Start the clock. It's, it's very exciting when you have a constitutional crisis. <laughs> we are so fucked. I'm telling you, we are... Today, Venezuela put us on the travel advisory. That's... We... We... I'm telling you, if America was a summer blockbuster, it would be called Democracy Endgame. And if you... <laughs> If you missed the earlier installments in this franchise, it started with uh, Russia interfered. This is the, uh, you know, nobody disagrees with this in the Mueller report. Russia interfered with our election in 2016. That was the finding of that report. And this week we found out that Robert Mueller wrote more than one letter to the attorney general, wink, wink, (laughs) William Barr, saying, why did you mischaracterize what I wrote? And Barr responded... Well, the report was my baby. My baby? I thought Republicans were against killing babies. Uh, This This Bill Barr is so far up Trump's ass, he bumped into Hannity. (laughs) So, (laughs) So Barr went before the Senate this week on Wednesday, and the Democrats looked all so happy after his over that they gave him a good grilling. I think they're missing the big picture. Trump is still president. And the big gotcha was they got Barr to commit perjury, which apparently is some old-timey law about lying being wrong. (laughs) You know, Nancy Pelosi said, that's a crime, and I'm going to report it to... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. See, this is the problem when the guy who is supposed to be enforcing the law is the guy who is breaking the law. Yeah, uh, the Justice Department had a deadline this week to provide the unredacted version of the Mueller report. They just blew it off. Because this is called owning the libs. This is all they care about. The lamer the excuse, the better, because the more we're owned... Oh, the lame excuse. They said they couldn't get the report over there because uh, the printer jammed. <laughs> and then they went to Kinko's, but some kid was doing flyers for his band. I mean... <laughs> so... And then, you know, the attorney general was himself subpoenaed by the House to appear yesterday, blew that off. And Congress was like... You know we both work for the same country, right? <laughs> so legal experts are now saying that, you know, this, uh, this is a constitutional crisis, the likes of which we have not seen in three or four days. <laughs> and <laughs> not showing up? When did testifying before Congress become optional? It's Congress, not freshman psych class. <laughs> 
And Democrats don't seem to get it, that, you know, it's in the rules. It's not an argument that works on Donald Trump. You're playing Monopoly with a hyena. <laughs> when it bites you and shits on the board, saying, it's not your turn, doesn't really work. <laughs> so the good... <laughs> The good news is Trump finally today sat down and talked to someone about Russiagate. The bad news is it was Vladimir Putin. <laughs> I wish that was the joke. That's absolutely true. He, he usually they just sexed each other, but <laughs> today they actually got on the phone for an hour. The you know the famous red phone, the hotline to Moscow. Well, now it's a pink princess phone. <laughs> You know, maybe it would help if Democrats just changed their names to more Russian-sounding names. Maybe Trump would be more willing to talk to Adam Shifsky and Nancy Polokovich. <laughs> and <laughs> as if all that is not enough to give me a coronary this week, Hillary Clinton is stealing my act. I'm watching Rachel Maddow the other day, and this is what she said. China, if you're listening... Why don't you get Trump's tax returns? Okay. Here's our show from last August. And since we now accept that it's okay to merge your party with a foreign power, I'd like to be the first member of the resistance to say, China, if you're listening... (laughs) I hope you can find Donald Trump's tax returns. What is this, real time with Crooked Hillary? (laughs) Hillary, if you wanted material, you should have asked me before the election. (laughs) All right, we got a great show. Brett Stevens, Kara Swisher, Baraki Bakari Sellers, and a a little bit of speaking with Moby is here. Hey. First up, he is the governor of Washington State and a 2020 Democratic presidential candidate, Governor Jay Inslee. Governor... Yes. Seems like you were just here. You're back. Last time you heard you were not a presidential candidate. Now you are. So is there any increased stature or just... No, no more uh... money. No, no. (laughs) But, uh, you know, we have the Green Party Mm -hmm. uh, in years past. They didn't get much. It seems like you're now a one-man Green Party. You've kind of (laughs) made that... You know, you're sort of a one-issue candidate, which I think is the issue. I've always said that. Most important issue. Yeah. Is that a fair way to characterize it? You are the Green Party within the Democratic Party? No, now? I would rephrase it that I am the Democratic one-man person who intends to make Donald Trump a blip in history. That's what I would say. That I am. And I believe that that's... Right. No. Uh, and a long look, way to go. Look, I, I, I'm a Democrat, and uh, I got into this race because I know we have one last chance to defeat climate change. And it is a last chance. We've kicked right. the count down the road for 30 years... And I got in this race because I got three grandkids, and I'm going to look them in the eye and make sure I've told them I've done everything I could. It's amazing. In the last presidential election, in the debates, it wasn't even an issue. Four minutes. Four minutes. Even among the Democrats. Yeah, right. So this time it's going to be different. Well, this is why I'm pushing the party to have a debate exclusively around climate Right. No, I think we're all on the page that it has to at least be in the debate. But here's the problem. 
climate change initiatives were on the ballot in 2018. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Almost every state said no. Mm -hmm. And when you ask, even people, people have come around now to agreeing, yes, it is a problem, right. it's man-made, we should do something. When the next question is, would you be willing to spend $10 a month, 68% mm -hmm. of people say no. So they don't put the money where the mouth is. Well, how, that's we, why, how do we get around that? Well, we make sure that the people paying the $10 a month are the oil companies who are taking $27 billion well, in tax take... subsidies. We've got to retrieve that $27 billion and to put it in clean energy. And today I rolled out a big, bold, and ambitious program because we're a big, bold, ambitious country that, in fact, will put the onus on them. You know, they always talk about the Republicans. Well, how are you going to pay for it? How are they going to pay for Paradise, California that burned down? And yeah, so those I asked people that didn't have a house, but, okay? But, I mean, at some point, I mean, people talk about a carbon tax, which mm -hmm. I, I think is a terrible name. As usual, right. Democrats, bad at naming things. <laughs> right. it's that, we'll call it a pro-life initiative, maybe, you know. <laughs> pro-life on Earth. You know, something. Okay. Um, but at some point, we are going to have to make it a cost to be a polluter or just a pig. We're just sloppy. And we don't do... We are afraid, as always in America, to yeah. confront the people. Yeah. Well, Only look, I, I, we're not confronting the people. We're standing with them. And I'll tell you what we did today. I rolled out a, uh, this plan to defeat climate change with Mayor Garcetti uh, with me that will do three things. Number one, it will guarantee Americans that we have 100% clean electricity, no coal after 2030. We need to wean ourselves off of coal. Okay, but let me stop you there. I hear this all the time. Mm -hmm. Electricity is not brought by a fairy. Yes. It... <laughs> I don't know what you mean, but... What I mean is people think it's free. It's the sun. That doesn't cause any pollution. Right. Wind doesn't. Right. Not electricity. Electricity right. comes from natural gas, right. oil, right. coal. So I have an electric car, mm -hmm. but when I plug it in, that... Electricity came from somewhere other than just free. Well, today I was at the bus barn with Mayor Garcetti, where they are <laughs> charging electric buses with solar panels right in the charging lot. Solar panels, And sure. we have to understand but... what has happened. The coal plants have gone from 1,000 plants to about 300 because they just aren't competitive. And we have to understand that we are the most innovative country in world history. And today, clean energy jobs... Not are for a long time. ...twice as fast. Clean energy jobs are going yeah. twice as fast as the rest of the economy. Look at wind turbines don't cause cancer. Trump is wrong. They cause right. jobs, okay? They right. cause jobs, and that's what we believe in. Yeah, I mean, look, we are still the great innovators in, yeah. in tech, and I think people think we can invent our way out of this, mm -hmm. but I don't think we can. I don't think you can invent your way out of... Well, I'm, I'm going to beg to differ a little bit. Look, look at what's happened in solar energy. I wrote a co-authored a book in 2007 about this, and I said solar is going to come on like gangbusters. Since that time, the cost of solar energy has come down 80%, and it is continuing to drop. The but cost what, of wind power has come down 20%. Okay, but what percentage of the grid are, is sun and solar? Small now. It's I mean, like sun. 6, 8, 9%. Okay, but it's so growing, it didn't come on like that. Well, no, it is. It's growing at three, 200, 300% okay, a year. And but, we can get... Let me give you an example of what I mean by this. Just one factual example. Uh, they say we can't uh, achieve my goal, which is to have electric cars... By 2030. Look you at what mean, we all did. All electric cars. That's correct. The new cars that you start right. buying in, in 2030. That's, that's in my proposal. In 1940, the United States total made 77 Jeeps. Four years later, we had made 640,000 Jeeps. 
if we mobilize this nation, right. we can build a clean energy economy. We just well, need a can-do president. Also, in, when, when World War II got started, you know what we stopped making? Cars. Well... <laughs> no cars. Really. Well, this they, time... They turned it all into tank factories and plane factories. The only cars were, like, big cars for generals to ride around with the flag at the front. <laughs> this time but that's a different generation. This know? time we're going to have cars. Okay, well... We're going to have electric cars like I have. Look, I argued with Megan McCain. She so, said, you don't have any cars. I said, look, I got a GM Bolt, all-electric Bolt, made by American auto workers in Orion, Michigan. That's a destiny for America, for jobs in this country. Okay. But... Important question. Mm-hmm. They're all... Important. You're arguing with Meghan McCain? <laughs> no. Well, that's not the question. <laughs> what about nuclear? Now, that's one that divides liberals. I'm, I'm, I, send, I mean, yeah, ask me one day, I'm for it, one day I'm against it. I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's clean. It's also, like, if there's a problem, right. it's ultra-dirty ultra yeah. and really bad. So where are you, where are you on that? My view is that uh, we have to be serious about any potential zero low-carbon... A system. So, yes. The, well, if, this is an if, if you can make it cost effective, if you can make it safer, and if you can resolve the nuclear waste problem, if you can do those things, mm. it could be part of the possibility. So no. No, but you got to do it. Because we, we haven't done those things for decades. So, here's what I believe I believe we should do research and development to so, yes. find out whether or not. Whether or not we can surmount those problems. And if we can, it could be part of the solution. So I support that R&D because this is an urgent problem. That's my view. Okay. So I'm with you both ways. All right. <laughs> Thank you very much for doing this. Thank you, buddy. It's a great issue, and I'm glad somebody is taking it. I'm going to mention jnz.com. I'm going to mention jnz.com. Well, you 000. just did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Governor. Let's get our panel. It's like being on a boat, isn't I it? Know. Totally <laughs> All right, he is a Pulitzer Prize-winning columnist for the New York Times and an MSNBC contributor. Brett Stevens is over here. Brett Stevens. How are you? He's a former South Carolina state legislator and CNN political analyst. Bakari Sellers right over here. Hey. And she's a co-founder and editor-at-large of Recode, host of the Recode, Decode, and Pivot podcast, and New York Times contributing opinion writer, Kara Swisher. Great to see you. Don't forget to send us your questions for tonight's Overtimes. You can answer them after the show on YouTube. Okay, so if you're fans of the slow-moving coup that I've been advertising yeah. here for <laughs> since 2016, this was yeah. a, a good week for you. And I remember after the midterms, you know, there was a lot of um, uh, euphoria, which I <laughs> was frankly not participating in. Uh, and, you know, people were saying, well, you know what, now we got subpoena power. Yeah. Apparently not. Apparently not. Apparently not. Apparently. Yeah. So my question, what do you do when the guy who you want to arrest is the guy who decides who gets arrested? That's kind of a pickle for a country. I... Brett, you start with that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, look, uh, Trump is doing what he does best, which is he's baiting liberals, and he's doing it very successfully. And the right response isn't to say, oh, my God, this is a constitutional crisis, this is Watergate times 10. It may be all those things, but... What really matters is how are you going to defeat him, how are you going to humiliate him, how are you going to belittle him, and how are you going to put him in his place so he is defeatable next November? And the answer is you seal clap, just like Nancy Pelosi. That's how you get Donald Trump. But I, I I also think that we... 
that we are in a constitutional crisis, and this is on the level of Watergate, and this is... Uh, Way worse. Worse than Watergate, but I do think you're dealing with the president uh, who is a uh, George Wallace and uh, Richard Nixon combination. And so um, when you're dealing with this type of individual, and now you have an attorney general, and I don't know what you all want to call him, but he's a liar, um, and the attorney general... uh, Democrats have to be focused on impeaching him... Um, and holding him in contempt. You have, you have things you can do. They can hold him in contempt and impeach him. And you can go for the, like, bar, like the others, that, the ones that we're putting on the Fed. You can go after those people. I think he, the problem we have here is we've got someone who does everything in public. And that's what's fascinating about it. He advertises it on Twitter every morning, what he's going to yeah. do that day, what, what, what thing he's going to violate. And so the question is, how do you do that? When, how do you shame someone who's shameless? He, it's almost impossible, right? He, if he was a poker player, he would be all tells. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I also it's only, it's only tells. I also yeah. think yeah. at the, That's the genius. at the yeah. hearing at the hearing we saw Senator Harris just skewer Bill Barr. I mean, we we found well, out that well, you saw it because <laughs> you watch the channels I watch. Yeah, I'm watching. I'm the only person watching most C-SPAN of, watching this. Yeah, but, most of America does. But I mean, what, what we but but. That's the thing, and you, you're, you're, you're correct, because Democrats now, we have to make America care. I mean, if there's anyone who does not care that we're in a constitutional crisis, Many, then we need to be de- beaten right. down their door and give them a reason to vote Except for us. They, no, but they, this, is, this is, I mean, I'm sorry, but this is like when your child comes home and says, you know, Daddy, Daddy, so-and-so was mean to me today and said this and this and this, and then, and then they said that and that and that, and then you say, well, you know what you should do oh, is well, just very quietly, when you see him the next time, Go up to Johnny and just kick him in the shit. Okay, but, <laughs> but... But wait a second. Come on. This is a real thing when you get a subpoena yeah. from Congress. Yeah. Right? This isn't some bullshit. This right. is a real thing. I, and the, the, Look, you just mentioned impeachment, right? What, what, are, what are we talking about here? He's going to be impeached, and then what? Well, I mean, let's... But, and but then that doesn't mean well, that no. the... Con- no, we're the con- not talking... That doesn't mean that the Constitution just dies. Yeah, I, I, I mean, like... There you, is you, no you, answer. You're right. You, you yeah. have to... I mean, but you still... Just because you, we know that the Senate will not throw him out. The same thing with Donald Trump. You still have to give the Constitution his power. No one in this country is above the law. And if we allow Donald Trump and Bill Barr to act as if they're above the law, then we're not doing our job. In, in your best-case scenario, down, Mike Pence down. becomes president. Right, or it becomes... Shit. Well, that would be better. It's about the election and who's going to win the election. I think that's really... Yeah, I guess that's our... We have, it's our only because ultimately, card left. you're right. What happens yeah. with impeachment? It just right. is. It just sits there, and, and then it, and it, there is a, there's a version of there was a great story in the New York Times recently about there's Democratic Twitter and then there's Democrats, yes. and I right. think that's a big deal. I want to get to that, and and you know what I the Twitter thing, especially with Trump, he makes Twitter his bitch. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, and and like I said, it's all about owning mm-hmm. the libs. You know, that's what they are out for, owning... And I tell you something, I feel owned now. You have succeeded. This week, right. when this guy said, you know what, I'm subpoenaed before Congress, fuck you, I'm not showing up, mm-hmm. you're right, and we can't do anything, I am owned. Right. So, you know, there's 21 people now on the... <laughs> 21. 22 next week. Who? Yeah, Bill, Bill de Blasio. Blasio. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> it's not even a horse race, it's a running of the bulls at this point. <laughs> We're breaking news here. <laughs> and who got in this week? Uh, Michael Bennett, Senator Michael Bennett. Michael Bennett. Yeah. What's his slogan? He's... Google me? <laughs> <laughs> he's great. You know, okay. He's so, any... <laughs> yeah. so my, my, my point is, all you 22 people who are running, yeah. you, you're asking, what can you do to get my vote? Mm-hmm. Make me not feel owned. Who is going to make me feel like, oh, I'm not going to be owned in two but it, years? But this, this election, 
it has to be about more. We have to give people a reason to show up and vote for us. I tell people often well, the, couch, the couch is always on the ballot. And what happened in 2016 is that people in Wisconsin, people in Michigan, people in Pennsylvania, a good bit of them chose the couch. They didn't want to come out and you support mean, Hillary okay. Clinton. Yeah, but what, they, what you, what you but, need... Go ahead. No, sorry. no, no. And I, I was just simply saying that it's one thing to say that I'm, run, I'm against Donald Trump. We have known that Donald Trump has been full of shit since 2016, <laughs> right? right? Okay. That so, was not enough. We have to give people a reason to vote for What us. you need is someone who is larger, and I don't mean waistline, larger than the president. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, someone who has a kind of moral stature and talks oh. about what is the real Achilles heel of this presidency, which is he embarrasses America. Can, can I tell you who, who that is? I, I, I had right. this little, a little story I have to tell you. It's telling someone. Okay. This, it's an aha moment. All right. I was telling someone this story recently, about 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. I was doing, I was going to this big swanky party. I think I was working it, not as a waiter. I, I'm not judging you. <laughs> As a comedian, I, th I think it was at Mike Overton. Anyway, it was way up in the Hollywood Hills. Mm -hmm. And when there's parties up there, you know, the streets are narrow and windy, and people, the valet, the car is down at the bottom of the hill, and everybody takes the shuttle bus. Okay. Right? Okay. I so, have no idea what you're We have no idea what you're yeah. talking about, but go ahead. That's why I'm explaining. All right, okay, thank you. Like, you can't get up. Everybody can't park up there. There's not enough parking. It's a narrow street. Okay. So, okay. You, when you go to the bar, you park down at the bottom of the hill, and you go up on the shuttle bus. But, you know, A-listers don't take shuttle buses. Yeah. This, is, this is the land of exceptions for a celebrity. So, I was waiting there at the shuttle bus. I was on the shuttle bus. Mm -hmm. I wasn't fighting it. Okay, out. yeah. But there were several A-listers who were like, come on. We don't have to take... And the guy was the like, no, everybody has, to, yes, everybody has to take right. the golf cart. Got it. Okay. Everybody has to take the shuttle bus. Yeah. And one guy was like, come on, I never... I drive right up. And the guy went, Oprah took the shuttle bus. And everybody got right on the shuttle bus. Oh. <laughs> right. Right. They didn't say a word. And that's when I knew... I don't even like Oprah that much. She could run. Because you know what? That Trump won because he was a TV star. Right. Kneel before Zod. TV is Zod. That's what, that's what gets to people. They saw him as the apprentice guy. Oprah, she doesn't scare a lot of people who otherwise would be scared. She's much more popular than Hillary. She'd uh, certainly get the African-American vote to come out. That's important to the Democrats. I'm telling You've you, I don't think problem. she wants to You've do it, but she could win. one major problem. She's not running. I, but she, I'm just telling you, she could win. That's he sad. said who could win. He said but somebody think, who's I, bigger. That's not... Oh. He, she's, it, that's, I think there's plenty of good candidates here. There are plenty of good candidates. They just have well, that's formed. the sure winner. There, there are a lot of good people here. Yeah, and there was, there was just a, a poll that had five, we, five people who the, could the, beat right, Donald Trump. Problem, that's, but the big problem you have in this race is that in some ways it looks like the Republican field in 2016, which is you've got... The presumptive front-runner who represents the last administration, Jeb in 16, and now Biden today. Then you've got the kind of outsider who has this core support that everyone thinks is a ceiling but might actually be a floor. And then you have 19 gremlins who are going <laughs> to be fighting it out to emerge in third place as the viable alternative. And if Democrats aren't careful... They're going to get Bernie Sanders as their candidate. I think that, first of all, I, I think that our, our field is a, is a little bit different than that. Let me describe it a little bit different. I think it's the most diverse field in terms of you have, you have two African-American candidates. You have Julian Castro. We have dynamic women that are running for office in Kamala Harris and Amy Klobuchar. I mean, Senator Gillibrand. The list goes on and on and on. And we have four or five people right now, the polls are saying, that can beat Donald Trump. With all that being said, I do think if the election was today, Donald Trump would win four more years because we still have to get our house in order. But, see, here's what bothers me. There's me two, two conflicting thoughts in my head. One, Biden, first week, he's doing very well. Mm -hmm. You know, 
It's like he's in old, comfortable pair of shoes and America's feet are hurting. Okay. <laughs> that's the, that's right? the motto. So, like, imagine... But when I look at the past, that kind of candidate, the, the old one whose turn it is, mm-hmm. Mitt Romney and Hillary and McCain and Giuliani. Kerry, all oh. of them, America never... America likes strange. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when they go into election, they want something strange. All right. And... <laughs> Joe Biden's not that. Well, what if you pair him? Like, can you imagine Biden and Harris, for example, as a ticket? I mean, when, uh, when does Vice President ever make but a you are, but you, he but you uh, One of the things that Joe Biden has to do, again, r- you know, running a values-oriented campaign, just I am not Donald Trump is not enough. That's right. You have That's to exactly. give people a reason to show up to the polls and vote for you. And I think one of the things that, that Joe Biden is going to do is a lot of the support that Joe Biden has right now is soft. And I think you'll have someone like, well, you, a, like a Senator Harris or like a, like a Beto O'Rourke or someone who's able to, you, to, you, you to wanna, rise. You want to make people feel proud of the country. It should be make America proud again. That's why Pete Buttigieg is the obvious candidate. <laughs> okay, so... I don't know how Donald Trump does it. I don't know how he gets people... I think he's a blackmailer. I do. He must have pictures of people with a duck or something. Because, I mean, everybody who you think is... Lindsey Graham used to be against him, and that John Kennedy guy, Rod Rosenstein, I thought was one of the good Republicans. He quit this week. This is part of his resignation letter to Trump. I am grateful to you for the opportunity to serve, for the courtesy and humor you often display in our personal conversations, and for the goals you set in your inaugural address. Patriotism... We've done this before. We give out something every once in a while called the ass-kisser of the month. Right. And you get it this month, Rod Rosenstein. Ass-kisser... No graphic for Ask-Kisser of the Month? What are you waiting for? Where's, where's right. the ass? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we got a hold of the first draft of his letter, even worse. Oh. Okay. Dear Mr. President, I have worked for three presidents, but only one whose ball smelled like the first floor at Bloomingdale's. <laughs> Your penis is so big, terrorists try to fly planes into it. This is... I will always treasure the way... <laughs> I will always treasure the ways you belittled me. <laughs> and I think of you as the father I never had. And so does Tiffany. <laughs> On the day that you were born, the angels got together and decided to create a dream come true. Oh, nobody remembers the carpet. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. We're super old. Yeah. My only regret is that I wasn't born a Siamese twin, so both of us could work for you. (laughs) And you didn't hear this from me, but Nancy Pelosi totally wants to to fuck you. (laughs) All right. He is a musician and author of the book, and then it fell apart, which launches this Monday, May 6th at the Aratani Theater here in Los Angeles. I love this guy's shit. Moby is over here. Moby. How are you, my friends? Great to see you. Moby. Wow. Hello. How are you? I am a longtime fan. A lot of Moby in my playlists. Uh-oh. I, I, oh, no, that's a good thing. Okay, thanks. I can't believe it's 20 years since play. Yeah. As I, you said I regarding need... the Carpenters, yeah. we're old. Yeah. Well, I, you know, as a musician, before we get into the heavy stuff with the book, I did want to ask you, like, 
I'm the youngest person in my house. I don't have kids. I'm the mm-hmm. only person in my house. That's how I stayed the youngest. God bless. Me too. So uh, I, I just, you know, I, I want to like the new stuff, and I always am asking, am I old or does it actually suck? Well, I got Spotify. I think it actually sucks. I got Spotify on my phone, and when I first got it, I was like, oh, I'm going to hear all this new music, and immediately I used it as a nostalgia machine. And, like, basically, Spotify is my high school playlist. <laughs> like, I haven't... My, my musical taste sort of ended around 1984. Wow. So modern music might be great, but it can't compete with The Clash or Public Enemy or John Lennon or Neil Young, on and on and on. But I feel like... I feel like you were very much on the cusp of something that everybody does now, that you were many things at once. I may be wrong about this, but you weren't just the musician and you sometimes sang, you sang, but you were like a curator and a DJ and a producer. It was like, I make this record, I'm on it, but then if I want to put something else into it, I do that too. Well, because originally, originally I wanted to be a singer, but I'm not a great singer, so I had to learn how to do everything else. And I, so it wasn't like... Like that old adage, uh, necessity is the mother, mother of invention. Yeah. I wanted to be Bono or David Bowie, but my singing voice is really mediocre. So I like, had to learn instruments and production and DJing to sort of like overcompensate for the fact that I'm a shitty singer. But with auto-tune, no one is a shitty singer. But, yeah, nowadays that is true. Yeah, and yeah. that's one thing I don't like about the modern sound. Okay, but... What I love about I like, them. but I do like complaining about young people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's always satisfying. You're right. But I, I, what I really loved about your book, and the first one, too, I mean, this is your second memoir, mm-hmm. okay, and you're very honest. In a way, even in memoirs, people are not. I mean, you say you loved the adulation. You drank it up like a thirsty sponge. Most people don't admit that. You say, you know, you, know, you look at Trez, Trent Reznor... Mm-hmm. You had all the women. You wanted women to adore you like that. Well, That's very honest. Because I grew up very poor. Right. And in a very dysfunctional home with, like, sexual abuse and violence and mental illness. And I thought that fame was going to fix everything. And so I pursued it desperately. And for a while, it worked. I mean, there were those moments where I was, like, out of my mind on, like, liquor and drugs and having sex with strangers in the bathroom. And, like, that was great but not sustainable. And then I found myself chasing the dragon as a lot of aging celebrities do. Right. And like, so suddenly like you're in the basement of a strip club saying to like the bouncer at three in the morning, don't you know who I am? And you're like, oh my God, I'm awful. Well, yes, there's that part of it. <laughs> if you can, but I... I certainly wouldn't want to turn the kids off to random sex and drugs. No, it's, it's, it's a rite of that passage that should. everyone should go through. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you don't have to be... I mean, you, in your book, it's basically, you know, you had a hole in your soul and sex and drugs did not fill it. No, and I tried and tried and tried and tried and tried. I mean, like... It's, it's not the worst journey to be on no. to come up to empty at the end. That's mm-hmm. all I'm saying. Okay, so um, I, I've asked this of all the guests we've had on the show. Have you ever rubbed your penis against Donald Trump? Well, as a matter of fact, as most of the guests would say, yes, I have. Um, Tell me about it. So... No, I read it in your book. There was one night, it was about 2001, I was out at a party and I was very drunk. I'm sober now. Yeah, Um, like 10 years? Yeah. And, uh... And I was with some friends, and they were telling me about this game that they used to play in college called Knob Touch. Mm -hmm. And I really shouldn't 
be divulging this in public, but it is in the book. So knob touch is when you take your flaccid penis out of your pants. Flaccid. And these days my penis is always flaccid. <laughs> um, See, honest. I'm a natural. <laughs> And you, you walk around a room and you brush your flaccid penis up against people indiscriminate. It's not sexual. There's no gender involved. And the goal is to see, like... Like Biden. Yeah. Not sexual. <laughs> not sexual. It's just inappropriate. It's just... And, no. and so I'm was, not saying he does that. I'm just saying it's not sexual. So I was very drunk, and my friends told me about knob touch, and my girlfriend at the time dared me to knob touch Donald Trump. Right. So I've only rubbed my flaccid penis against one person in the entire world, and that man is currently on a golden toilet in the White House <laughs> tweeting about something. <laughs> okay. So... <laughs> I... Life goals. Yeah, life go life I wish goal. I could do the same. Right. And I'm planning... <laughs> I'm, I am going to do knob touch with him as soon as I can. I mean, okay. I mean... Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, uh, I, I probably wouldn't do that now that I'm, like, old and sober. Right. But at the time, yes. when I was blackout drunk... Absolutely. The Beatles got high when they got their MBEs from the, you know, the medals from the British Empire. You gotta yeah. do it. I Willie mean, Nelson got stoned in the Lincoln Keith Richards. Yeah. yeah, Keith Richards shot up in the rock, White House. Yeah, you were a rock star. You deserve some up. rock star shit. Okay. Rock star shit for Moby. So, and also, you're, uh... You're one of my heroes, because like me, you're an animal lover, and you're a real activist, yeah. you have a vegan restaurant. Did you see Beyond Meat and Beyond Burger? Yeah. These companies now, yeah. I've noticed myself out at restaurants, the veggie burger is foods. not what it was two years yeah. ago. They finally got it with the veggie burger. Yeah. They yeah. actually... This is going to be a big thing, right? I hope... I mean, I've been a vegan for 31 years. Wow. And honestly, animal rights is my life's work. Like, my restaurant, Little Pine, 100% yes. of the profits goes to animal rights organizations. Same thing with this book, then it will fall apart. 100% of the profits goes to animal wow. rights organizations. So entrepreneurially, I'm an idiot. Right. You know, like everything oh, I do good. professionally, like 100% of my profits go to animal rights organizations because and I wanted to talk to Jay Inslee, if he's still here. Somewhere. He'll be here later. Um, about climate change. He lives here now. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, because whenever people talk about climate change, they ignore animal agriculture. I agree. And yes. animal Huge. agriculture is the third leading cause of climate yeah. change. Like, talking about climate change and not addressing animal agriculture is like talking about lung cancer and not talking about smoking. So, right. America and everyone, <laughs> if in any way... But then again, I would also say, I don't like humans very much. So, like, maybe you should keep eating bacon and burgers and destroy yourselves. Like, get, get obese okay. and destroy the planet. I think, we, I think we took that one subway stop too far. <laughs> but I'm totally with you on the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I... <laughs> So well, you're saying uh, I should relapse. No, I'm I a know, little I, tense. He's gone all uh, Thanos. Well, you yeah. know, and I always think of you as a as a tech guy, and I, you know, I am not a tech guy, but you are the ultimate. I mean, I, I read am every, the ultimate I, tech I get guy. most of my information about yeah. tech yeah. <laughs> from you. And Facebook is in the news yeah. again, but it's in the news every friggin' week. They are. They really are. They and really are. What is it? They're paying a five billion dollar fine the for parking pro ticket. For them, the right. parking ticket. The so. parking ticket, you call it, for privacy violations. But um, forgive me, I don't know that much about it. But isn't privacy violations how they make their money? Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's the business model. Okay, that so. is the business model. I think the question is, and Brett just wrote a great column on it in the Times too, and I write about them all the time. I think the question is, what what do we do about them? What do we do about them? This week, they, which Brett wrote about, was they they barred certain people off the platform, and there's going to be controversy around that. Alex yeah. Jones, Louis Farrakhan. 
uh, a bunch of others. Milo. And Milo. Um, so the question is, what, what does Congress do about them? What do regulators do about them? What do people in states and, and local governments? And what do we not internationally, what do countries do about but them? But isn't the big question, what are they? What are like, they? Are they a media outlet? Are well, they that's like the a question. town hall? Are they, and like until yeah. that's defined, it's really hard to hold them to accountable. Look, well, he said that this. He said what we are. He said this week, Mark Zuckerberg said, we're 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 trying to move from being a digital equivalent of a town square to is. the digital equivalent of the living room. Or you could just use your living room and well, have people I mean, I, over. I think, That's what I mean. I as, I, as I was joking with, what is that? I mean? was joking, joking with Brett backstage. It's like the digital equivalent of the purge now, because right. basically people just go on Facebook and it's very, very divisive, and the rhetoric right. is jacked up. It, it, I think it was it was purpose to be a place where people were to gather in this in the internet and be able to exchange ideas. Well, that's not the case anymore. Well, Facebook has become more divisive The question is, is it a public else. square? It is not a public it's square. It's as close as you can it, possibly get. But it's get. a private company sure. where billionaires are made. And so it's not a public... It's treated like a public square. It's a it's waste not. of time. It's, this well, uh, this but, is what but, I... Yeah, but is a lot of, look, no, because... No. I've, I've tried a number of well, times. That's the only way I, I can keep up with my older relatives. I, most there's 2.6 billion people on it. That's not a waste. That, there's so many people Correct. on it, especially what? like in the Philippines. That many people couldn't be time wasters. People are time wasters. Yes, but that's if where you, people are getting their news. And in certain countries, well, that's all the news part of the problem. is there. All the news has gotten there. But it shouldn't be. Well, okay. Because I hear people say that when I ask them, you don't know about this. They're like, I get most of my news from what people put on my feed. Right. What? But it's not just... It's so, not just so you're depending on your dumbass friends to tell you what's, what's up? That, yeah. Yes, but that's, they do. Well, that's not good. But that's that's why it, we're so stupid. Well, the question is, what I, are I we going to do about it? I think, to be fair, there are a lot of reasons why we're so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but, I also, but I also think that, you know, I think Facebook got it right, and I think it was an easy call to ban these three individuals, but it's a slippery slope. So, I mean, where, where do they go next, I think, is the question. I mean, are they going to keep that same energy when it comes to someone like Franklin Graham? who is a, a, a Baptist minister, but who is a homophobic bigot, right? But he, he's supported by the president of the United States. Are we going to keep that same energy? And my question is, are you going to have three, three white kids in Silicon Valley who are sitting in a cubicle decide what's dangerous and what rhetoric they ban and what rhetoric they don't? And I have a fundamental problem with that. I do, too. Well, I mean, right, because you have, what, a 33-year-old kid... Who is he's essentially? Not a kid. Let's stop okay. calling Mark Zuckerberg a kid. Well, to me, he has two children. And right. he's, we established we're old. All right, okay. <laughs> okay. So saying, this is what he always gets off on: is he's an adult with two children, and I he has sixty-four that. billion dollars, and he controls the company. And one shirt. Right. No, no, don't go there. Are you going to do that again? <laughs> he has lots of oh, shirts. Okay. He has lots of shirts. One I've ever seen. Go all ahead. Right. No, I mean, look. The problem with Facebook and all of social media is it's been the land of unintended consequences. So this was supposed to unite us all, and it's, in fact, divided all of us. It's made us more isolated. Twitter was supposed to democratize speech. It's accelerated demagoguery on the planet. Now they want to ban these these horrible people, and they're all horrible. We all recognize that. But then we're going to get into a slippery slope where Facebook becomes the arbiter of what can be said in their their digital, quote, public square, whatever it is. And the idea of... This younger man having determining <laughs> what qualifies as worthwhile speech, I think, is dystopian and, and terrible. But it's also Facebook is also not the it's also not the cause. I mean, it's just a it's just the symptom of a problem that we no, have. In just accelerate. Oh, that's very much true. I mean, no, because they didn't it, have to design it this way. That's not true. What they did. And no, but, it, but, but let me just let yeah. me give you an idea. You got the purge because I've talked about this before. They created a city. It's a digital city, is what it is, and they decided not to have. Police, garbage, street signs, uh, sewers, or anything. But they charge the rent 
and every night it is the purge, and that's what the problem. I, I, I agree with that, but I, I think that there's a larger problem we have in this country. It just finds Facebook to rest. I mean, we have xenophobia, white supremacy, bigotry, and I think that is that is the problem. The symptom is just Facebook because that's where people just go to espouse their views. But it amplifies are, it. In oh, a way I agree that with that isn't, wholeheartedly. In, in, but in gonna, human history, it's never been. It, this is an astonishing moment. But you're going to throw people off for their horrible ideas, right. okay? So if I didn't tell you who said this this week. If I just said, this is somebody on Facebook, should they throw them off? This person said, the Democratic position on abortion is now so extreme that they don't mind executing babies after birth. Donald Trump. Yes. On Twitter. The president said, yeah, he said, the baby is born, the mother meets with the doctor, they take care of the baby, they wrap the baby beautifully, and then the doctor and the mother determine whether or not they will execute the baby. So when that's the president, this is, their, this is what they're running on. Socialism and the Democrats are for executing babies. And this is not a right-wing crazy radio host. This is the president, backed up, by the way, by Newt Gingrich. We are in the battle for the soul of America. On the one side, you have a party that believes babies can be killed after they're born. Right. Because that's what Democrats are for. Let's make killing babies safe, effective, legal, and common. But then again, looking, I mean, based on our conversation about young people, like, maybe there should be a compelling case for postnatal abortion. No. But that... <laughs> okay. I'm saying up to, like, yeah, the 80th yeah, yeah. trimester. We know, we know who's not doing the Democratic messaging. Okay, that, that would be... I sound someone worse than me. <laughs> but, but, I, but, I mean, this is... I mean, it's, it's absurd. It's absurd that we even have to dispel these, these falsehoods coming from the White House. I mean, we all know that that's not the case. But, I mean, the, the simple fact that, that I like to always bring up with people is that I don't want... Mitch McConnell, I don't want Lindsey Graham, I don't want Mike Pence and Donald Trump deciding what me and my wife do with her body. I mean, that is a decision she makes. That's a decision that she makes with her doctor. And I think the Republicans are so hypocritical because they're so pro-fetus, but anti-child. Because when the child gets here, they damn sure don't take care of them. They're not in favor of early childhood education. They're not in favor of climate change or or, uh, battling climate change. They just don't care when the child gets here. Okay, so there's a lot of hate on Facebook, and yeah. apparently this week in the New York Times... <laughs> I'm kidding. But, uh, well, you talk about not. this. No, well, there was a, they, they made a little mistake. They you made know. a mistake. I mean, pe- people... I, I don't know. You, you were very upset about it. Well, I, it was right, a bad thing. Let's show the cartoon. They ran this cartoon in the international edition, and it's that's supposed to be... It looks like Peggy Lee, but it's that's <laughs> but that's Donald Trump. No, they, they didn't nice. know the carpenters. They're not going to know Peggy yeah. Lee. Uh, that's Donald Trump, and that's Netanyahu is the dog with the Jewish star, and I guess it's trying to say that Netanyahu, of course, is leading Trump around, but there's many, many... I mean, obviously fair. there are yeah. anti-Semitic tropes in this cartoon. It's, it was a shameful cartoon. It's nakedly anti-Semitic. It illustrates how easily... Uh, anti-Zionism and the constant demonization, not criticism, demonization of Israel uh, collapses into outright anti-Semitism. It should never have run in the Times. The good news is the newspaper instantly apologized. They ran a scathing op-ed or column about uh, the cartoon by me in the paper. And then then they ran an editorial uh, again apologizing for, for the cartoon. So it was... A terrible moment for the Times, but on the other hand, imagine if our government or our executive branch, every time it made a terrible mistake, immediately apologized, withdrew the, sure. withdrew the cartoon, criticized itself, and vowed to change. I think okay. it would be a, a better country. But here's the... Here's the... 
It's, an, it's really interesting about Donald Trump and this issue. The number of anti-Semitic incidents nearly 60% higher in 27... We just had one yeah. right down the road here near San Diego. And we saw Pittsburgh. And we saw New Zealand. Well, that's different. It was nearly 60% higher in 2017 than 2016, the largest single-year increase on record. And somehow Donald Trump has this coalition, the Nazis like him, and Netanyahu, Netanyahu likes him. Mm-hmm. He's got the anti-Semites and Sheldon Adelson. Explain that to me. Well, I, I think that it's easy to explain the rise in anti-Semitism in this country. I go back to Charlottesville, and I remind people that the, the most amazing thing about Charlottesville was that they were chanting these anti-Semitic lines, um, and they didn't wear hoods. They didn't wear masks. These individuals were not afraid to show their face. They felt emboldened, and the reason that they felt emboldened is because there was someone in the White House who could carry the mantle and utilize the same or similar language that they use. And so that's a fundamental problem we have in this country, that, that those messages come down from on high. And until the Republican Party actually shows some testicular fortitude in the ability to actually stand up against Donald Trump when we're talking about destroying the fabric of our country, nothing's going to change. And the problem with anti-Semitism and bigotry and racism is that sometimes... It can lead to harmful things and acts, like the deaths we but saw. Yeah, you know, I, I, agree, I, I agree, but look, it's incumbent on everyone to call out the shit on their own side. And there is plenty of anti-Semitism coming from the left. It's disguised, yes. as, it's, it's disguised as anti-Zionism, but when a congresswoman yes. says it's all about the Benjamins, that's anti-Semitic. And I've called out Donald Trump. I want to hear Democrats well, call, I've, out, I've, call, well, out, call out... I've said call, that, call I've said that I've had a problem from, with from her. Because Jews... People, no one can afford to simply say we only have enemies on the opposite side, especially when it comes to to those of us who are Jewish. We have enemies on all sides, and we have to be alert to Literally, with Israel, and I I think it speaks to the ascendancy of victimization as a goal on the left, because when Israel was weak after the war, the left loved Israel. When they got strong... Suddenly, they didn't love them so much. They you, like people who they have much less in common with value-wise, well, liberal value-wise. When you get back, somehow though, the, you started with Facebook. That's where it starts, though, this radicalization. I think th- what happened in New Zealand, Sure. you know, the way they broadcast it. And yep. the, these are all these questions. How do you get radicalized? How does it get spread? And then how does it continue on? And I think the weaponization and amplification of hate is part of it. It's added an extra... It's like a jet fuel to this entire thing, and that's what's created. And the Internet was created to be great, but what it's done is... But there also they are there also also is not this or are not these major fissures between Israel and the Democratic Party. I mean that that that's just not there. It's very loud on, on the far left, but that, that these fissures aren't large. I mean, you're talking about Barack Obama, who's the reason that Israel has an Iron Dome. You're talking about a 31 billion dollar MOU between the two countries, right. and you're talking about uh, military uh, uh, F- F-35s that were actually delivered to Israel. That the only other country in the in the world that has them is Israel, and so it, that Israel has been a partner and will be a partner. But right now, you have personalities. I mean, they're, they're people... And I think that... I think it's okay to be critical of Bibi Netanyahu. But I think what Democrats have a problem doing, or, or not all Democrats, but what's happening is sometimes anti-Semitism, whether or not it's this... Uh, whether or not it's this, this cartoon or whether or not it's Congresswoman Omar, are allowing themselves to, to delve into racist tropes, which makes this nuanced discussion very difficult. Sure. Okay. Criticism is great. Just don't demonize. Right. Fair. Okay. Thank you, panel. Time for New Rules. <laughs> Since nobody knows who half of them are anyway, every week the news media must try to sneak someone who doesn't belong into that collage 
a presidential candidate, just to see how long it takes people to say, hey, wait a minute, that's the Travago guy. <laughs> New Year, New Rule, 107-year-old Bill Franklin. Go, Bill, who recently moved into an elder care home but is still the world's oldest practicing doctor. Has to retire. No offense, Dr. Franklin, but I don't want the man who has his finger in my ass to say, why are we doing this again? (laughs) New rule, women using the baby pod, a speaker that plays music for unborn babies by inserting it into the vagina, must admit, this has nothing to do with music. First off, you have the bass cranked way up. And second, you're not pregnant. Neural, if Whole Foods is serious about their customers bringing cloth bags from home, they have to shame them by printing on their paper bags things like, fuckface forgot his bag. I parked in the handicap spot, too. <laughs> I was a tree, but then dipshit here needed kale. <laughs> there were all the Democrats have to turn Lindsey Graham reading an email from FBI agent Peter Strzok into a political ad. Had enough of President Trump? So has Lindsey Graham. Trump is a fucking idiot. When even conservative Republicans slam Trump. Trump is a fucking idiot. You know it's time for him to go. Call your congressman and say, Trump is a fucking idiot. (laughs) And finally, new rule Democrats have to give me a reason to live. As I mentioned last week in this space, the Mueller report, that was our shot. With a dysfunctional Congress and a traitorous attorney general, it fell to one man to stop the madness. And when he didn't, I got to tell you, it broke me a little bit. I am, for the first time in my life, using marijuana for legitimate medical reasons. Yesterday, I wandered into a dispensary and said, give me the strongest strain of indigo you have. And the guy said, sir, this is a Baskin Robbins. (laughs) I admit it, I've let myself go. Why not? What's the point? Trump gets away with everything. He beat the rap on Russia. He's gotten away with collusion and obstruction and stealing Obama's Supreme Court seat. So many things were supposed to bring him down. Charlottesville, Stormy Daniels, Kids in Cages, Mueller, nothing does. He picked up Senate seats in the midterms. He got Kavanaugh and Kanye. (laughs) He got the entire Republican Party behind him. Despite all the laws of economics, the stock market is up. Despite the laws of nutrition, he's alive.
And despite the laws of laws, he's not in jail. He was right about one thing. I am tired of him winning. My current position on politics is fetal. I hear people say, just turn off the news. I can't. It's my job, and I'm not going to abandon my post. But... Thank you. But... I'm here to tell you that I think I've found something that helps. And I need to tell you about it tonight because it affects our relationship. And what it is, is I, Bill Maher, am 100% all in on and completely into ASMR. (laughs) That's right, ASMR, which stands for Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. And no, it's not that thing where you jerk off with a belt around your neck. That's not... (laughs) It's... It's an internet phenomenon where people soothe themselves by watching people whisper and quietly touch and rub things. It's me. Ten more deep breaths. Welcome back. ASMR has become so popular it was even in a Super Bowl ad this year. Let's all experience something together. I know you're thinking, Bill, did you hit your head? (laughs) You are the last guy we'd expect to be into some crazy social media fad. I know. When all day long, I have to see this. Turn off the light. Build that wall. Uh, I don't know what I said. These are my words. Go home to mommy. I said, let's go to Iraq. But I had one beer. Please, Russia, please. I don't like mosquitoes. Who likes me? Antifa. Ka-ching, ka-ching. No, get those lights off. (laughs) Okay. If I have to look at that in the day, I find it very helpful at night to watch this. (laughs) See? Isn't it easier to accept that our country is falling apart after you see that guy? So, starting right now, and perhaps for a little while, I will be needing to do the show like this. I know it's a little weird, but it's what I need to do to be able to keep talking about Donald Trump. This and crinkling paper. This is what works for me. 
It worked. <laughs> and I thank you. I thank you. I hope I don't have to do that too much. I thank you for indulging me, and hopefully I'll be back to normal soon. Until then, to all of President Trump's Russo-Republican enablers who heard me say a few minutes ago that I was broken a little bit, Dream on, traitors. That's not going to happen. Fuck you and good night. All right, that's our show. I'll be at the Eric Opera House in Baltimore June 9th and at the Ruth Eckerd Hall in Clearwater, Florida, August 4th. I want to thank Brett Stevens, Macari, Sellers, Tara Switzer, and Governor Jay Inslee and Moby, my partners. Stay tuned for Overtime on YouTube. Catch all new episodes of Real Time with Bill Maher every Friday night at 10 or watch him anytime on HBO On Demand. For more information, log on to HBO.com.